When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. I'm back to answering questions this week. The first about some separation anxiety issues in a four-year-old and another about middle of the night wake-ups. Sally says, hi, I absolutely love your podcast. It has helped me so much. I'm wondering if you have any tips on how to help a child who struggles with separation anxiety. My son is four and has been in kindy for three terms. For terms one and two, he was pretty happy going off to kindy and didn't seem too concerned about leaving me. Now we've reached the second half of the year. He gets super clingy and makes a big fuss when it comes to going to school. His teachers assure me that once he's settled in, he is fine for the day. He has lots of friends and seems happy enough. It's just the initial part of the morning when I first leave. Do you have any ideas on what I can do to help him transition into the school day smoother? And is there any insight that you could possibly give as to why he suddenly seems to have this separation anxiety? I can't think of any major changes or events either at home or school that has triggered this change in behavior. Thanks so much and keep up all the great work you're doing. Okay, so Sally, this is very common. So I'm gonna go into some details about separation anxiety. So it's common for some children to experience separation anxiety intermittently up through the age of seven. So you're just seeing this pop up again. Some common scenarios when separation anxiety occurs, and this isn't always the case, may not be for you, but these are common occurrences. The first few days of school or camp, after a break from school, and this can happen when your child had a nice break and doesn't want to go back. So I don't know if that's what happened here possibly, This doesn't mean don't plan a great break, although it might make things easier sometimes. Also, a couple of weeks after school starts. Some kids may be fine at first and then it will kick in. These kids start feeling like, at first this was fun, but now that this is my new routine, I'm not so sure I'm still excited about it. So why does this happen? In young children, unwillingness to leave a parent or caregiver is a sign that attachments have developed. 
Now, attachment is the deep and enduring emotional bond that connects one person to another across time and space. So this is a good thing, believe it or not. It sucks while you're in the middle of it, but it is a good thing. It means you have a good attachment. Also, infants and toddlers in this age range struggle to balance their desire for autonomy with their need for security that a responsive caregiver provides. So this is all normal. Now, I'm gonna share why it's good for your child to experience some separation anxiety. First, your child gets practice at dealing with anxiety and stress. Your child needs to learn how to experience anxiety and conquer it. It is the beginning of building a very important life skill known as coping. It builds the character trait we know as resilience, which is also a piece of self-esteem. And these are all important because we want our children to learn how to bounce back from setbacks and disappointments. Now, here are some factors that can affect the degree of separation anxiety. As I've already touched on, a secure attachment increases the likelihood the child will experience some level of separation anxiety. And obviously, this attachment is a good thing. Now, you already mentioned this, Sally, that you don't have any of this, but this is also, I'm glad you touched on this, but life stressors can increase separation anxiety, even unrelated events such as a grandparent passing away, a moving, divorce, etc. When a child is stressed, just like adults, they tend to have a lower tolerance for other stressors. Also, the parent's reaction can strongly shape a child's perspective. If a parent gets nervous or reacts strongly to their child's distress, it can make it worse. So keeping a positive, upbeat attitude is crucial. Also, children with certain temperament traits are more prone to experiencing separation anxiety off and on over time. Children who have one or more of the following traits or fall on the high end of these four traits, sensitive, intense, realistic, and slow to warm. Now I cover all these in the class on temperament and this is one of the reasons I say why I feel like this temperament class and understanding a child's temperament is one of the parenting 101 classes because every child is different and every parent is different. So in the class I talk about a parent's temperament versus the child's temperament and how we need to work with both of these. But there are certain traits that will lead children to react differently to different situations. So a child who is highly sensitive, and when we say sensitive, we mean sensitive to emotions. So they tend to be more emotional. And that's why this will kick in. Intense means that the degree of how they feel emotions or experience things is more intense. Again, makes sense why separation anxiety would kick in. There's also another temperament trait a child who is more realistic versus a child who's more happy-go-lucky. A realistic child realizes, my parent is leaving for the entire day and I'm not going to see them for the next, whatever, three, four, five hours. So that realization makes the separation anxiety kick in more as well. And then children who are slow to warm are ones who do not go in and make friends super easily, super quickly. So if you have a child who tends to hold back or tends to take longer to get to know people and feel comfortable with them, of course that toddler in a new preschool or that child in a new class is going to experience more separation anxiety than a child who easily walks in and picks the first kid and makes a new friend right off the bat. So these kids will likely experience separation anxiety more frequently than those children who do not exhibit these traits. Now, of course, if they have two or three or all of them, it's gonna kick it up even more. Now, as your child grows, they will develop more coping skills and things will go smoother. 
So you can learn more about all of that by watching the class on temperament. It's on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. So now I'm going to talk about some experiences that we've had in this exact same arena where there was no separation anxiety and then it kicked up again. It would go away and kick up again. Then I'll go into some more background details and some more tips on separation anxiety and dealing with that. So we have three kids. For anybody who's listening the first time, we have three kids and we have experienced the spectrum of separation anxiety. Now I have two children I would classify as fairly average in their expression of anxiety upon being left, struggling with the drop-offs, especially in new situations. But what was interesting is our daughter went through stages of being completely fine at her preschool drop-off and then struggling with drop-offs for several days at a time at her school where she had been going for months and months. And the thing about this is that both of her brothers went to preschool with her, so they were there as well. She knew the teachers. It was a lovely school, very warm. Not a lot of kids. There were maybe seven kids total, very small school, but she would go through periods where she just didn't want me to leave. And then she would be fine for a couple of weeks and then she would go through that again. Now I'll share what I did for her because I was able to do it. At that time I was working from home and so what I actually ended up doing was taking her with me once or twice. Just for an hour, I had to run some errands, so I took her to run an errand. She got some special time with me and then I took her back to school, dropped her off and she was better. I'm not necessarily advocating for that or saying that that's always the answer. It was just something that I was able to do at that time to reconnect with her. And we had three kids. They were all young. It was very crazy. And so it really helped her to connect with me and then feel better about going to school. And that was just something that I felt like was a good idea. And it did work really well for me and her at that time. Now, when we come back from our break, I'm going to cover the normal stages of separation anxiety, as well as a few do's and don'ts when it comes to supporting your child through the drop-off transition. As an adult and a mom of a son, both with ADHD, I know navigating the expectations of life with ADHD can be a challenge, but finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed can be life-changing. With the right resources, you can turn your ADHD into your superpower. Done is an online ADHD care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD, online visits, refills, and a 24-7 care team made for you. Starting to take care of your ADHD is as easy as one, taking a one-minute free assessment to see if Done can help, two, booking an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as today or tomorrow, Three, start receiving ongoing care, enjoy online visits, personalized treatment plan, worry-free refills, and 24-7 care. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Unlock your path to better focus now at Get dot donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn your ADHD into your strength. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple. Make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, 
By Heart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now we're back. I want to cover the four stages of separation anxiety. Now, some of these may sound scary or bad, but they are all normal stages and kids pass through each stage quite quickly. The first stage is the protest stage. We've all seen it. This is where they'll scream and cry and grab our leg, trying to do anything they can to get us to stay. It is a healthy response and a coping mechanism because it works to keep the caregiver present for longer. The second stage is called despair. This happens right after the parent leaves and the child may drop to the floor and they may sob for a few minutes. It's that last push, that last ditch effort. The third stage is called adjustment. This is what we're not around to see. In this stage, the child finds a way to calm him or herself by engaging with the teacher or finding a friend to play with. And the last stage is emotional detachment. Now this just means that they change their focus from the despair of missing the caregiver onto connecting with the teacher or friend or an activity. So these are all normal. They move right through these very, very quickly. So a few tips on making this go smoother is to create a good bye ritual, but keep it short. Do it and leave. You wanna send the message that goodbye is okay and I'm leaving you in a safe place. If you aren't sure it's a safe place, and I'm not saying this is true for you, Sally, but for anyone else, if you aren't sure that it's a safe place, Obviously, we don't leave our child there, but if you stay, then it builds more angst because the child learns that their reaction keeps the parent longer. The goal is for the child to move away from the parent, not the parent from the child, but this isn't always possible, especially in the beginning. So you're gonna work towards that. Now, whatever you do, do not sneak out. This adds to the anxiety the next time It works completely against what you're trying to accomplish, which is your child learning how to cope with being left. And this will only happen with trust. Sneaking out breaks down that trust. I turn around and they're gone. That's gonna kick up that anxiety. So therefore it affects the relationship on every level, not just when it comes to the separation. It will affect that level of trust across the board. Also, don't push your child to join others. This also only backfires because The goal is to support autonomy without forcing it. So Sally, I hope that understanding all the steps of anxiety, that this is a very normal for kids to come in and out of it throughout the years, possibly up till seven, that you can take a look and see if your son has some of these temperament traits that might be making it more difficult for him off and on. 
And then just understanding that the stages, these four stages are how they move through and it's very normal that he does just fine as soon as you leave. Creating that goodbye ritual if you don't have it, which is like a hug and a kiss, a goodbye, I will see you at two o'clock like I do every day and letting him know that you will see him at the end of the school day and then not reacting or getting upset or feeling sad. And then you not showing any anxiety about leaving will also help his anxiety. Now, Jessica has a question about getting her baby to sleep through the night. Jessica says, Hi, Erin. I love your podcast. I had a question for you on my infant daughter, Rose, who is eight months old, going on nine months. She has a very erratic sleep schedule and is not consistently sleeping through the night yet. She is usually up once or twice in the night, around midnight or one, and then again at four or five. It is usually our go-to to give her a bottle, even though I know she doesn't need it, and falls back asleep right away within 10 minutes or so. However, there have been a handful of times where she has slept all the way through the night, so I know that it's possible for her. I've read some about sleep training and letting babies cry in their cribs until they learn to sleep on their own through the night. However, I am worried about damaging a relationship by doing this. Are there any tips you can give? I was also wondering which class would suit us better to deal with the problem, the infant sleep class or the toddler sleep class. Any help or suggestions would be appreciated. So Jessica, my first question is this, how is she falling asleep at bedtime? Is she falling asleep with a bottle or while breastfeeding or is she falling asleep on her own? We all have sleep associations and this is what it sounds like, what we associate with falling asleep. What we want is for our babies and kids to associate sleep with something that they don't rely on us for. So their pajamas, their crib, or their bed. If she's falling asleep with a bottle or a breast, then she's associating sucking with falling asleep. And so when she wakes up in the middle of the night, she needs that sucking to fall back to sleep. So if this is the case, you will want to move her feeding earlier in the routine. And actually moving it to the very first thing would be best. So something like giving her the bottle, changing her for bed, singing songs or reading books, and then putting her down to bed. Once she gets good at this, it should eliminate the middle of the night wake-ups. You wanna give it two weeks of solid time of her putting herself to sleep at bedtime. And if you fix this and she's still waking up in the middle of the night, then you would do what I'm gonna cover next to work on eliminating those middle of the night wake-ups. Or if she is already falling asleep on her own at bedtime and still waking up in the middle of the night, then night training would be in order to get her sleeping through the night. Because you're right, she does not need to eat. Most babies, especially ones who are not premature or have other health issues, are ready to sleep through the night by right around four months old, as far as their ability to go all night without needing any food. But there are options besides just leaving her alone to cry. But before I get into the options, I wanna share two things. The first is that studies show that sleep training, and I hate that term, sleep training, but it's the one everyone understands, Basically, we're teaching our babies how to fall asleep and stay asleep. This is an important skill because unfortunately, babies that don't sleep become toddlers that don't sleep become kids that don't sleep. But I digress. So studies show that sleep training has no negative effects on children, parents, or the relationship and attachment. Now attachment is what is formed, and I actually just talked about that in the separation anxiety question but attachment is what is formed between infant and caregiver at birth when we meet their needs for food and comfort. Attachment is well established by now, so the continued daytime love and support will only grow this attachment stronger. 
Now, there have been many studies, but one of the biggest ones was a six-year study on sleep training completed in Australia in 2012. There were two groups, a study group and a control group. In the study group, the parents used two different sleep training methods. So there were actually two study groups. The parents didn't each use two different methods. There were two study groups. One used one method, the other used the other method. And then there was the control group. These were the group where the babies were comforted to sleep. The initial study was done when the babies were four months old. So after the initial study, they were checked at 10 months old and again at six years old. The study found no difference in these groups, in their mental and behavioral health, in their sleep quality, in their stress levels, and nothing was different in the relationship with the parents, meaning the attachment. However, the study did find that parents who used a sleep training method got better sleep, suffered less emotional trauma, and experienced lower rates of postpartum depression. So that was the first thing I wanted to share. The second thing is I completely understand because I went through this with our oldest when he was four and a half months old and was only sleeping 20 minutes at a time. And I was a mess. I was not getting any sleep and I knew we had to do something. But I hated the idea of sleep training. I was really nervous about it. But I did a lot of research, did my reading. We ended up doing it. And I can tell you unequivocally, it is one of the best things I have ever done as a parent. He was in a much better mood all day. I was in a much better mood all day. He was a much more pleasant baby. I was a much better mom. I was much more patient. And he is the most amazing. All my kids are amazing, of course. But he is just a really amazing boy, full of energy, very studious, very independent, very cuddly and lovey, still loves to be hugged and cuddled and says he wants to have snuggle time and he's almost nine. So I had a great experience doing this. So that was the other thing I wanted to share. So as far as middle of the night, you can go and just leave her to cry until she goes back to sleep, but you don't have to. You also can go in and put a hand on her. You can stay up to one minute you could also go in and put a hand on her and gently shush her. Or you could say one phrase like, it's okay. Stay up to one minute and then leave. Then you can return every five minutes until she falls back to sleep. Then you shouldn't have to do this more than once, maybe twice. Again, don't do any of this until she can put herself to sleep at bedtime. Otherwise, it will just be too hard. She'll get more worked up and you will get more frustrated and sad. Now, the reason is, that sleep pressure is strongest at bedtime. So this is the best and easiest time for her to learn to put herself to sleep. Once she's learned this skill at bedtime, the middle of the nights will go much easier. Now, do not pick her up or take her out of her crib. But if five minutes is too long, that's the goal, but it doesn't have to be that long. Can you get to two minutes or three minutes or four minutes? That's fine. Now. You have added a small challenge, and that is that if she's able to stand, then this can make it a little bit harder. But if she's standing up or she stands up when you come in, you wanna gently lay her back down, put your hand on her back, try not to make eye contact or engage with her by speaking too much. If you say anything, just one phrase, pick a phrase, it's okay, or it's nighttime. You can say it over and over, it's okay. And then wait a few seconds, it's okay, it's okay. 
So as far as the classes, the infant class is what you would want if you need some more information. The infant class is about baby sleep, their sleep cycles, and getting them to fall asleep on their own and stay asleep through the night. And there's a lot more on that class on sleep methods, both bedtime, nighttime, and nap times, sleep issues that some babies have, and some other background information. The toddler sleep class is more about getting kids to stay in their bed so they can fall asleep because once they can get out of bed, they often do, and they will test those boundaries at bedtime. The good news is that sleep training as an infant will greatly reduce the issues of toddlers getting out of bed and testing. It will most likely still happen, but it will be much quicker and easier to fix because that foundation has already been laid that bedtime means bedtime. Now, both of those sleep classes are on the website, yourvillageonline.com, under the health and development section. If you have a parenting question about sleep and bedtimes or anything else you'd like answered, you can send it to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.